My name is Maya Deary. This episode is part of a series called The Waves to Wisdom Interviews. The project is a simple one. I seek out people I admire, surfers with what look to me to be ocean-centered wisdom practices. I ask them if they'd be willing to share a surf session or two, and then, after we've ridden some waves together, talk to me about their oceanic habits, about surfing, work, meaning, anything that comes up. Seeing these grown women who can connect with that joy inside themselves, even with when they're on land, even on the dry sand, um, telling, sharing stories about why that it's possibly not for them or it's too fearful because they have circumstances at home that has, have oppressed them, suppressed their joy somehow. They have access to that by getting in. Elsa Rivera is a devoted surfer, committed community servant, immigrant, and successful business manager. Our conversation took place overlooking the Pacific on California's incomparable central coast. We'd ridden the chilly waves of a spectacular stretch of shore where graceful arms of kelp and barking, splashing marine mammals can make you feel for a minute like you're part of a vast ecosystem, a thriving planet still abundant with life. Elsa's clarity of priority and purpose and the role her relationship with the ocean plays in that clarity add delicious nuance to this ongoing story of the power and plain utility of cultivating and stewarding a relationship to the ocean. Welcome to Waves to Wisdom. If you are comfortable with it, would you tell us your name and age and where you live? Elsa Rivera. I'm 55 years old and I live in Monterey, California. Excellent. And did you grow up in Monterey? I'm originally from Colombia. I grew up in Colombia until I was nine. Um, and then uh, until 1981, I grew up in Santa Monica. This morning, we surfed together for the first time. We sure did. We did. We surfed at Asilomar. It's a place that I have watched people surf before, and it's always been remarkably intimidating to me. It seems, uh, it's, well, it is very rocky, and it also seems prone to wind. The wind changes, and conditions change out there rapidly. Uh, but it was fun. We had a great morning. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Oh, this is gorgeous. Gorgeous out there. And I took off on some waves that scared mm-hmm. the heck out of me, and, and uh, that was good. It looked graceful doing it. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're kind. Let's see, we were paddling out maybe after a wave or just after having met, changing locations, and we both spotted a harbor seal mm-hmm. in the top of a wave. My boyfriend. Your boyfriend. Tell yes. us about your boyfriend. Yes. Um, my boyfriend, the same harbor seal, I'm convinced, shows up <laughs> wherever I surf. Um, I watch him signal to me um, to move away from rip currents and kind of uh, spots to catch good waves. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I think I need a boyfriend just like that. <laughs> you have one actually. Okay, good. Yeah, Thank you. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's out there. And we're um, we're at the beach right now. Can you tell us a little bit about where we are uh, talking this, to each other? Yeah, this is Del Monte. This is a part of Del Monte Beach, and it's a long. It's one of the longest stretches of beaches um, in Monterey. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long have you been surfing? Uh, <laughs> about a year and a half. <laughs> about a year and Collectively, a half. Collectively, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in staggered, but mostly now, more frequently, uh, about a year and a half. I'd uh, bodyboarded most of my early teenage life, and um, so I was 
I considered myself somewhat of a water woman because I never drowned in the ocean. You tried and you clearly must have liked it because now you look completely fresh and I couldn't believe it when you said you'd only been oh. surfing for about a year and a half. Whoa, thanks a lot. Thanks for, for that. <laughs> uh, oh yes, absolutely. I loved it from day one and I would just pound my way through white water just to get that feeling over and over again and felt like I could do anything if I could surf. <laughs> I think uh, many of us feel that way and it, and it seems to be mostly true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you have a relationship with the ocean that predates your surfing experience and you were bodyboarding from childhood. Can you talk a little bit more about the role the ocean played in your life as a child? I uh, grew up in Santa Monica as I said and um, didn't know for a long time just because of life, family circumstances that I was so close to the beach. And right before junior high, I realized that I could just walk to the beach and, and um, it was less than three blocks away, long blocks because there were a few hills. And I went to the water for solace. I felt like that was my safe place that could wash away Um, some of the darkness that I felt as a very young girl in my family life and at home and uh, in my mind the ocean being at the beach and being submerged even tossed around and tumbled in the in the water was um, my heart home for me so it made you feel better even Mm -hmm. as even as a youngster Mm -hmm. to, to get in the ocean yeah I felt embraced I felt enveloped with this almost universal love that my heart was needing and hungry for and that was my first feel of being embraced. Wow, that is a powerful memory and and you've maintained a relationship clearly with Mm -hmm. the ocean and and continue to enhance and develop your interactions with it. Um, Yes. And you said to me earlier when we were in the water um, and again talking just a, a bit before we began to record that it is a profoundly spiritual relationship for you, from your point of view. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about your spiritual background and then how the ocean came to play into that? Yes, so I grew up in a very traditional uh, Latin Catholic family and expectation of being um, an awareness of God being a very much Catholic uh, church defined. (laughs) This is the best way I can say it. Um, But I was drawn to the feminine energy of Mary, the Virgin Mary. I didn't think she was really a virgin, but... um, So Mary, Mary was just a a feminine symbolism in the Catholic Church that I I was more drawn to than the male God that was described to me. And um, over time, I went to different churches and um, hidden from my mother, um, just to try to articulate what I was feeling about uh, believing in a maybe a greater force or greater spirit of life without this other definition and I didn't really find it in churches but I, I, f- I felt at a very young age that I had spiritualism in me rather than Catholic faith and over the years the ocean has become more of the spiritual connection to a life force for me and some of that is defined with my recognition of an ocean deity who I know as Imanja 
in uh, many Latin and Afro religions. Um, she is the deity of the ocean. She is the mother of life force. And so I connect with the idea, the concept of the ocean being a feminine energy, a life source energy, emotional, spiritual giving. And I, um, I learn a lot that way. How did you learn of this ocean deity and, and, and did it resonate with you immediately? Absolutely immediately. I had come to know about her through um, the Yemanja Festival in Santa Cruz and uh, began to read about her and she became more and more pronounced in my life when I spent 18 months in Brazil. Uh, Yemanja is very much revered in Brazil. There are rituals, there's, instead of um, just celebrating New Year, the month of January is dedicated to uh, ceremony and rituals uh, in honor of Yemanja. And then recently going to Cuba, uh, I was part of um, a Casa Particular, which is just a, a, a place in a, a person's home that you rent, where during the week they were doing um, rituals to uh, for chosen people who, be, who would become saints in Yaruba religion. And they spoke a lot about Imanja and her mother, Oshun. So, so in uh, Cuba and in Brazil, there are many ocean deities. And whoever you resonate with is your deity. Like, only you know. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of control over who you choose to honor yeah, in that you, tradition. Yeah, and um, well, she chooses you. She reminds you oh, that's good. that in, by, way, by demonstrating um, how inspired you are, how motivated you are to learn about her, um, to know that she's, she's your deity. Daughter of Earth and Sky, Yimanja is a deity from the Yoruban tradition which originated in present-day Nigeria, but took root through the Caribbean as the Atlantic slave trade spread Yorubans far from their homes. Britannica says Imanja has been likened to amniotic fluid because she also protects her children against a predatory world. Her name is derived from words that roughly translate to mother whose children are fishes, and she's the protector of those on and in the water. So since learning about Imanja, now you have this focus uh, a way to think about, read about, and learn about this relationship. Um, can you talk about um, maybe the ways that your relationship with the water, uh, in your opinion, has played out in your life story? I feel that to this very day, the ocean has taught me about um, the, the varying tides of emotions and experiences and the lack of permanency in our lives um, to be very present moment because once you're in the ocean you, you there's very little you can actually process think about the mind chatter stops because your survival sometimes is based on your ability to stay aware of the sights, sounds, smells, ocean currents, what's happening with other people and that becomes a very present moment ex existence. And um, again, just to be happy about 
whether you have small waves or big waves, that, that if there are waves at all, that there's an ocean at all to be a life's force, that that, that moment is, the joy of that moment is not defined by the size of the wave, but the ability to have the freedom to even be in the water. And then getting out of the water, in what ways does that practice, in what ways do those experiences manifest, do you <laughs> it's think? It's almost instant application. That I, I subscribe to that Blue Mind experience that says that my whole neuro, neurological being, body, mind, and spirit, is enhanced and changes when I get in the water. And when I come out, my perception, my storytelling about any particular, quote, problem is is just redefined. I don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> and that like waves, emotions, especially high peak or low emotions, um, can just be, you know, watched and experienced without any sense of control. Leaning into them like kind of how you lean into a wave to catch it, just being able to be, um, gentle with yourself and not push any extremes. You told me a story, this is a terrifying story, about going surfing at night. Oh yeah. Did you tell that story? <laughs> yes. So I challenged two other mermaids to go to Asilomar, your now favorite break, <laughs> uh, during a supermoon. And it was a beautiful, beautiful night. The moon was very, very bright on the beach, it was about 11.30, and we wanted to get in by midnight. But the, the ocean was very, very black and tumultuous. A lot of seaweed, too, that day, and high tide. So um, I thought it was really smart in following a friend's advice by uh, making sure we all wore white t-shirts or white shirts so we could see each other in the darkness. And I happened to choose one that was really too big for me. Uh, it was a men's size medium or something that I'd gotten given to me in Brazil. But I thought this is going to be a good one. I don't ride, I don't bike ride, so this is this is where I'm going to be able to to use it. So we paddled out, and we had to really punch through the white water quite a bit. And um, the other two women had gone further before my um, my board just jumped up against the the lip of the wave and it tossed me backwards and tossed my shirt over my head and I began to essentially suffocate myself with my shirt and much like what she has taught me in the past and other experiences about trust and submission I just really let it let myself go I knew I could float to the top but there was something that I knew in that trust that I could also just let uh, allow not breathing so hard and suffocating myself with my shirt that would allow the shirt to float as well. And that's how I got air back in my lungs. I surfaced and uh, tied the t-shirt the back up pretty tightly so I could go right back in and not be afraid. What was that like surfing at night when you couldn't see the waves? Mm, it was terrifying and beautiful and mystical all at the same time because all your other senses wake up. Uh, you're, you're feeling the current in a different way. Um, I, I was trying to explain to the other you know, partners that were there that I could smell the seaweed um, exposed to air 
when the wave was forming or curling over us because I couldn't see it at all. And each of us had different experiences about how our senses woke up differently. What an amazing memory. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I would just calling that up, uh, even through your memory, mm -hmm. I am amazed mm -hmm. that you had the courage to go out there and do it. Um, and that you discovered these things about uh, the way your senses interacted yeah. with the darkness. That sounds profoundly instructive the rest of the time when you can see. Exactly. You're missing so much because yes. we're so visually dominated. Yes, yeah. I'd never seen the ocean so black, which was just gorgeous, just beautiful. And I'd do it again. And you do it again, mm -hmm. and then you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Uh, and what, what is your profession? What's your professional background? And has your relationship with the ocean, do you think, played out in that mm -hmm. part of your life at all? Oh, yes. I'll say that I was inspired as a very young girl to become a nurse practitioner. I wanted to be a midwife, actually. And um, so that propelled me into actually becoming a direct patient care nurse. And um, when I moved to Monterey, I got my associate's degree and uh, continued with patient care in home care and decided that this was a an avenue of nursing that was very much interesting to me in that it was a holistic approach of taking care of patients at home. So uh, ultimately I ended up transferring my skills to healthcare administration and I ran a local home care agency for about 25 years. Probably into my 24th year, I realized that I'd had uh, overstepped that caregiver to caretaker <laughs> um, part of myself that couldn't say no when I was on call for a year 24-7 and just really overdid it on the whole caring part. <laughs> and uh, I, th I, I just reevaluated the fact that I could, I could really give, be of service in different ways and translated some of the stuff that is fami familiar or similar in all industries and administration and um, offered to help run a, a business of my friends for 18 months in Brazil with a completely different kind of industry, laser technology. So it was no longer direct patient care, it didn't involve patients, but ultimately resulted in um, a purposeful time there helping this person understand the differences in uh, about the Latin culture and imposing uh, corporate uh, Americanized ways of doing business in a country that was refusing to accept them. Ooh, fascinating. And uh, and so I, that's what I'm still doing. I'm doing business management. I, I outsource myself when people are um, short a CEO, an administrator in healthcare, a business manager in other industries. And I uh, limit and I choose wisely and very specifically the type of clients that I, that I have because I feel influenced by what I've learned about the ocean and wanting to be in it all the time, that uh, the quality of my life is not about what I do in my work. Work is a means to an end just for the survival that's important to all of us, but that my life sustenance, my joy, is really about 
two things, and that's giving in my community to the service projects and continuing this very expanding lifelong relationship with surfing in the ocean. Another topic that you broached, which I f find fascinating, and uh, I work a lot with young people, mm -hmm. um, and most of them, although many of them are going six figures into debt, um, most oh. of them don't have any idea uh, about uh, how important money is in their life. And, um, and you, you talked a little bit about that in the, in the surf session, but would you talk a, a little bit about you know, your relationship with money, which you've already sort of brushed up against in terms of career, but how important a healthy relationship with money is yeah. to the kind of life that you're describing? Yeah, that's actually another water um, symbol for me because I really do believe that, that money is currency. I, I feel like I have a, a healthy friendship with the concept of money. I, I've made a lot of money in my life I, and, um, and I was comfortable with all my little, little creature comforts and stuff, but um, really I define having money as a form of movement and freedom, which is that current, that I can have current in my life. So I've worked really hard um, and very intentionally to remove all debt in my life uh, and it, it allows for me to have a relationship with money where I don't have a neediness to make money, but that I can choose to make money for exactly what I need, for a plan or for the immediate moment, and have more of my freedom than enslavement to the concept of making money. And you are the mother of two children. Yes, I am. And uh, your son, you tell me, is a big wave surfer. Yes, he is. He started, um, surfing was his deal, so that's why I didn't surf for a long time, because that was his sport. So I was a surf taxi mom for most of his teenage years. He actively competed, and he is still mostly just a big wave surfer. Okay, and, and you, um, you clearly are fine with that. You trust him to not hurt himself. And yeah, I do. <laughs> a little hesitation. I, no, I do. I, I was just thinking that what that I, I used to joke around with him when he he went to Mavericks when he was 17 years old, but told, didn't tell me that he was going until afterwards. And I said, what was that like? And he said, well, it's like falling off a 65-story building and then having it come on top of you afterwards. So I said to him, ever think of taking up you know, an indoor sport like chess. <laughs> but, you know, I never meant it. I actually never meant it. I, he, was a, he was a boogie boarder, um, and I, I went uh, to a Silomar one day. He was boogie boarding, and I just got inspired. And we have this thing now in life that whenever there's something that we need to have a rite of passage about, we're very close, we'll just say, it's time. And so I went to Sunshine Surf Store over here and bought a board. I didn't know what I was buying. And I showed up at a Silomar, he'd been boogie boarding, and I was just standing on the beach with the surfboard, and he said, what, what are you doing, Mom? What, what's that? And I just said, it's time. And I gave him a surfboard. <laughs> wow. So I figure, he, he said it best. He said, people said, aren't you afraid of sharks or getting hurt out in those big waves? And he said, have you seen what's on the street lately? Even at a really young age, he knew that the ocean was his safety spot too. Oh, so smart. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. 
And uh, clearly, you both you both share that love of mm -hmm. excitement and the ocean and all that it has to offer. Okay, is there anything else about your relationship with the ocean or the way that surfing or being near or in or on the ocean uh, has impacted your life that you'd like to share? I think it just goes directly to my experience teaching young girls to surf and through that vehicle uh, empowering their conquering fears and having a, a stronger self-esteem. Where I'm drawn to expand that and I feel that I've been really successful at it and not successful like in a competitive, competitive way but more like watching those same effects with older women or grown women is um, taking women into, into the water for the first time. One story I'll share is that one of the moms of, had been on the beach for a while. They came all the way from Greenfield and all the way, I'm talking less than 45 minutes away, but they'd never been to the beach. They'd never seen the water. And she kept talking about, one day I'm gonna try that. I've only been in the water up to my knees in a swimming pool. And uh, I, you know, I didn't even focus on, hey, I'll teach you how to surf or let me conquer, help you conquer the fear of the water. I just said, ever put on a wetsuit? And she said, no. And um, I said, that's just half the battle right there. Want to try it? So then she was in a wetsuit and um, she talked about, while she was putting her wetsuit on, she talked about, her body being too big, she really needed to work out more, she was out of shape, all these body image things that are pronounced in women everywhere that we're trying to change in a wetsuit, especially that's one of the reasons I love surfing in this area because we all look like seals and there's, <laughs> do, don't don't immediate, there's not an immediate competitive body image thing going on. So, um, so I tell her, well, I'm a professional round person and I love my body, and I like looking like a seal. And, um, and seals like the water, so we can just go try it. And so she was really tentative, but I, I said, you've already gone as far as your knees. You wanna try that? We started there, and I said, you know one of my favorite things since I was a little kid is jumping waves. Do you wanna jump waves? Oh, okay, okay, maybe, I don't know. We started jump waves, and the same delight in this 48-year-old woman's face that we see in these six-year-old faces began to take over her. And then she wanted to jump more waves, and then we thought maybe we could jump a wave and then go under a wave. And it was just this progressive thing that really it was allowing someone to be in their kid again and to play in the water. And then she wanted to get down to business. What about this board thing? <laughs> and before we knew it, we had spent quite a bit of time just having her now jump waves on a board and feel just that flotation. And she just kept saying, this feels so good. I've never felt anything like this. I feel free. And that just continued throughout her whole experience. And when she got out of the water, um, she said, what can I do to practice my pop-up? And I told her to draw a surfboard on her, on her floor with tape and all her kids and her can do pop-ups and all this other stuff. And this woman just had so much joy that resonated through the entire time she was on the beach. And every time I see her, 
that same look in her face and she thanks me and it's not even about that but she just comes to me with this feeling of like I remember that joyful moment whether she does it again or has the opportunity because of whatever obstacle she had before to continue she'll always have that experience that she, that that will relive itself uh, and that's very powerful joy in and of itself is so powerful mm -hmm. it's fleeting in in its way but just to know that you have the capacity for that yeah um, especially as an adult yes who may have had life circumstances that for one reason or another um, have separated you from that feeling it yes really is yes. Uh, a powerful force and it can do profound work in the world when you I get in touch with that. it I believe that seeing these grown women who can connect with that joy inside themselves even with when they're on land even on the dry sand um, telling sharing stories about why that it's possibly not for them or it's too fearful because they have circumstances at home that has have oppressed them, suppressed their joy somehow. They have access to that by getting in. After Elsa and I had this conversation, her relationship with the ocean and desire to include others in its benefits led her to an organization called GI Josie. GI Josie's mission is to provide single women veterans with an environment and opportunities that eradicate the suffering and suicides arising from post-traumatic stress disorder and military sexual trauma that these vets often suffer with as a result of their service in the U.S. military. Elsa is profoundly influenced by the work of J. Wallace Nichols, a marine biologist whose most influential work popularizes research showing the mental and physical health benefits of being on, near, or underwater. Elsa launched G.I. Josie's Blue Water Project, which gets these women on the water, sometimes learning to surf, sometimes just playing in the waves, or learning about ecology in a local wetland. Many of these women Elsa is able to serve in the program face significant challenges. One veteran who had been bound, then sexually assaulted, was upset by the similar feeling of the tight wetsuit on her wrists. Ultimately, she rolled up her sleeves and got in the water. Hers is just one of many similar stories of service-related trauma, too many of which don't have happy endings. To help the women overcome their initial fears, Elsa tells them about Iman Ja and asks her to protect each of them by name. G.I. Josie is actively fundraising to build a residential ranch to allow these women and their children to transition back to healthy, productive civilian lives. I'll post information on the website so you can learn more. And if you're able, make a donation. Okay, so you also, um you related to me earlier this this just intriguing and artful interpretation. Tell me the, the ocean deity's name again. Imanja. Imanja. Um, this uh, in, interpretation of what is Imanja's storied vanity. So Imanja, of all the deities, is considered a very vain deity. And um, I dance samba, so there are several uh, songs dedicated to Yamanja, and uh, we use mirrors and um, use our hands very much like Hula to tell the story of her adorning herself at all times and wanting to be adored and wanting adornments. And um, in the world and in religion, people have taken that to an extreme by 
giving actual offerings to Yemanja in different parts of the world in Cuba. Um, people offer animals, slaughtered animals, and you know, toss them in the ocean as a as an offering to Yemanja in Brazil. People build small boats and they put jewelry and coins and food and lipstick and all these things, which break my heart in a way because they've taken a materialistic approach to the concept of her vanity. But in my widening and aware need for to be a part of conservation of the ocean and the beaches, I see that as just a very, very simple, powerful request from her to keep her beautiful, to um, let, let those things that already naturally adorn her, the animals, the kelp, the shells, those things that belong to her, um, preserve them so that she can just continue to be beautiful. And one of the reasons that struck me is that it sometimes seems to me in my optimistic moments mm -hmm. that we're in the process of, and I work with young people, and it feels like we're in the process of turning some kind of a corner in which, uh, maybe out of necessity, because they know that their material lives are not going to be what their parents and grandparents were, that young people are turning towards experiences as markers of success and a life well lived in a way that causes them to turn away from material possessions. Um, but that, that kind of value, um, and it's, it's absolutely understandable why in a world where you're struggling for material well-being, at the most fundamental levels, that you would give, give of these things which were so hard won um, to the deity that was most meaningful to you. Um, and it, it, I can't wait for other people to hear your interpretation because it's not just the interpretation itself that is powerful, but your willingness to do it, to understand, to see what mm. this story has to offer you, um, n not in the way of dogma, but as a way of connecting with the needs that are all around you yeah. as you move through this, this world. Yes, yes. She's not really wanting for people to give her more stuff, but to um, see their own beauty in approaching her, uh, preserving her, so that they themselves can get her life force and her life sustenance in return. So less is more. She already has everything she needs. Iman Jha has everything she needs, but clearly our oceans are in trouble. Elsa's story and her work with G.I. Josie, well, it's not rare, but could be much more common. Many of us know from our own experience the healing power of water. The Blue Mind concept I mentioned earlier, along with a book that bears the same name, is a great place to start if you'd like to learn more about research explaining the effects of water on your brain. In the coming weeks, I'll post about some of that research and other work that tells the story of what happens during our water-loving experiences, but tells it through a scientific lens. There's also work underway to show that surf therapy can be more effective than other forms of psychological treatment. If you're enjoying these interviews, we'd be most grateful if you post a review on iTunes. Our next retreat is scheduled for March of 2019. If you're interested in learning more about it, or if you know of someone who works with a business who might be interested in sponsoring this podcast and reaching our growing audience, please drop us a line at info at wavestowisdom.com.